Today is April 29th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Thank you for being here with me. And I also just want to say thank you for reaching out with your prayers and your comments about my struggles with this virus that won't let me be all the way great. I truly appreciate you and I am getting better. It's just taking its sweet time getting out of me. I guess it likes me, but I am sick of being sick. And while I am listening to my body, I'm getting plenty of rest, drinking plenty of fluid and not focusing on what I cannot control right now. I am looking forward with great expectation to getting back to me, to my energy levels, to my normal breathing pattern, to my normal palate, and my normal level of engagement. Because being sick is no fun at all. This is for the birds. But you know what? God is still good. God is still faithful. And God is still a healer. And God is still speaking to us through his word. And that is why I am here pushing through to get into this word today. We're going to start with Judges, and we're continuing the story of Abimelech, the son of Gideon, who killed his brothers to become king. And we're going to see how his reign ends in a tragic and ironic way, ironic considering that he killed all of his brothers on top of a stone, and how God uses a woman to bring him down. Yes, you heard me right. He uses a woman. Then we're going to read Luke chapter 24, and this is the final chapter of Luke's gospel. It contains some of the most wonderful and awe-inspiring scenes in the New Testament, if you ask me. And we're going to witness the resurrection of Jesus, his appearance to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, his appearance to the rest of the disciples in Jerusalem, his explanation of how he fulfilled the scriptures, and his ascension into heaven. It is such a beautiful conclusion to the chapter, and I can't wait to share it with you. So let's get ready to read and listen to what God has to say to us today. Grab your Bible, your device, or just your listening ears, and let's begin with Judges chapter 9, verse 22 through chapter 10, verse 18. Home and Christian Standard Bible. Abimelech's Punishment. When Abimelech had ruled over Israel three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the lords of Shechem. They treated Abimelech deceitfully so that the crime against the 70 sons of Jerobel might come to justice and their blood would be avenged on their brother Abimelech, who killed them, and on the lords of Shechem, who had helped him kill his brothers. The lords of Shechem rebelled against him by putting people on the tops of the mountains to ambush and rob everyone who passed by them on the road. So this was reported to Abimelech. Gael, son of Ebed, came with his brothers and crossed into Shechem, and the lords of Shechem trusted him. So they went out to the countryside and harvested grapes from their vineyards. They trampled the grapes and held a celebration. Then they went to the house of their god, and as they ate and drank, they cursed Abimelech. Gael, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Isn't he the son of Jerobel, and isn't Zebul his officer? You are to serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only these people were in my power, I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, Gather your army and come out. 
When Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gael, son of Ebed, he was angry. So he sent messengers secretly to Abimelech, saying, Look, Gael, son of Ebed, with his brothers, have come to Shechem and are turning the city against you. Now tonight, you and the people with you are to come wait in ambush in the countryside. Then get up early and at sunrise charge the city. When he and the people who are with him come out against you, do to him whatever you can. So Abimelech and all the people with him got up at night and waited in ambush for Shechem in four units. Gael, son of Ebed, went out and stood at the entrance of the city gate. Then Abimelech and the people who were with him got up from their ambush. When Gael saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the mountaintops. But Zebul said to him, The shadows of the mountains look like men to you. Then Gael spoke again, Look, people are coming down from the central part of the land, and one unit is coming from the direction of the diviner's oak. Zebul replied, Where is your mouthing off now? You said, Who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Aren't these the people you despised? Now go and fight them. So Gael went out, leading the lords of Shechem, and fought against Abimelech. But Abimelech pursued him, and Gael fled before him. Many wounded died as far as the entrance of the gate. Abimelech stayed in Arumah, and Zebul drove Gael and his brothers from Shechem. The next day, when the people went into the countryside, this was reported to Abimelech. He took the people, divided them into three companies, and waited in ambush in the countryside. He looked, and the people were coming out of the city. So he rose against them and struck them down. Then Abimelech and the units that were with him rushed forward and took their stand at the entrance of the city gate. The other two units rushed against all who were in the countryside and struck them down. So Abimelech fought against the city that entire day, captured it, and killed the people who were in it. Then he tore down the city and sold it with salt. When all the lords of the Tower of Shechem heard, they entered the inner chamber of the temple of El Barith. Then it was reported to Abimelech that all the lords of the Tower of Shechem had gathered together. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him went up to Mount Zalman. Abimelech took his axe in his hand and cut a branch from the trees. He picked up the branch, put it on his shoulder, and said to the people who were with him, Hurry and do what you have seen me do. Each person also cut his own branch and followed Abimelech. They put the branches against the inner chamber and set it on fire around the people. And all the people in the tower of Shechem died, about 1,000 men and women. Abimelech went to Thebes, camped against it, and captured it. There was a strong tower inside the city, and all the men, women, and lords of the city fled there. They locked themselves in and went up to the roof of the tower. When Abimelech came to attack the tower, he approached its entrance to set it on fire. But a woman threw the upper portion of a millstone on Abimelech's head and fractured his skull. He quickly called his armor-bearer and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, or they'll say about me, 
a woman killed him. So his armor bearer thrust him through and he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they all went home. In this way, God turned back on Abimelech the evil that he had done against his father by killing his 70 brothers. And God also returned all the evil of the men of Shechem on their heads. So the curse of Jotham, son of Jerubbaal, came on them. Tola and Jer. After Abimelech, Tola, son of Pua, son of Dodo, became judge and began to deliver Israel. He was from Issachar and lived in Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. Tola judged Israel 23 years and when he died, was buried in Shamir. After him came Jer the Gileadite, who judged Israel 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. They had 30 towns in Gilead, which are called Jer's villages to this day. When Jer died, he was buried in Camon. Israel's Rebellion and Repentance Then the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They worshipped the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Aram, Sidon, and Moab, and the gods of the Ammonites and the Philistines. They abandoned Yahweh and did not worship him. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them to the Philistines and the Ammonites. They shattered and crushed the Israelites that year, and for 18 years they did the same to all the Israelites who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim. Israel was greatly oppressed, so they cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you. We have abandoned our God and worshipped the Baals. The Lord said to the Israelites, When the Egyptians, Amorites, Ammonites, Philistines, Sidonians, Amalekites, and Maonites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, Did I not deliver you from their power? But you have abandoned me and worshipped other gods. Therefore, I will not deliver you again. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your oppression. But the Israelites said, We have sinned. Deal with us as you see fit. Only deliver us today. So they got rid of the foreign gods among them and worshipped the Lord, and he became weary of Israel's misery. The Ammonites were called together and they camped in Gilead. So the Israelites assembled and camped at Mizpah. The rulers of Gilead said to one another, Which man will lead the fight against the Ammonites? He will be the leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 53. The Emmaus Disciples Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? he asked them. 
So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, Weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together, who said, The Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread, the reality of the risen Jesus. And as they were saying these things, he himself stood among them. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and unbelieving because of their joy, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. The Ascension of Jesus then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. 
And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple complex praising God. Psalm 100, Be Thankful, a Psalm of Thanksgiving. Shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For Yahweh is good, and His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will stand. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So there are just a couple things I want to point out here that I think are very important and meaningful for us today. And there's, there's a lot here, as there is every day. But the first thing that I want to point out is the fact that the disciples don't recognize Jesus until after he breaks bread with them. It is so interesting to note that he is also not revealed until after they have invited him into their personal space to stay with them for the evening. I think this shows us something about how God reveals himself to us and how he wants us to relate to him. The fact that God waits until they are sharing a meal, which is an intimate, relaxed kind of fellowship and experience, to open their eyes, to me, is emblematic of his desire to have a personal and intimate relationship with him. He does not want us to see him as a distant or impersonal God, but as a close and loving friend. He wants us to enjoy his presence and the gift of abiding with him. And he wants us to share our lives with him, even what seems like it's quite mundane or ordinary. He wants us to be comfortable and relaxed in his presence, not fearful, shameful, or anxious, the way that you would feel with a loving daddy who spoils and dotes over you as his child, but will also discipline you and get you all the way together when you're out of line. That kind of father doesn't make you feel afraid to approach him or to share your heart with him. That kind of father makes you feel safe, secure, and protected. You know he has your back, and you know that he's going to go before you when necessary. That kind of father makes you feel loved and valued, and that's the kind of father that God is to us. That's who he is. That's who he wants to be. He wants us to recognize him in the ordinary and everyday moments of our lives, not just in the extraordinary or miraculous ones. He can and will reveal himself to us through the simple things in life when we invite him into our sacred spaces. Think about it. How often do we miss God's presence and activity in our lives because we are too busy, too distracted, too stressed, or too preoccupied with other things? 
How often do we overlook God's blessings because we take them for granted or we don't appreciate them until after they're gone? How often do we miss God's voice or his presence with us because we're too consumed by our problems or issues or so busy talking to everybody else that we don't even recognize him or how he's working in our situations? God is always with us and he's always for us. But sometimes we need to slow down, pay attention and invite him in. Sometimes we need to share a proverbial meal with him, to break bread with him, and to let him open our eyes to see who he really is. And I like to think that this is what we're doing here at Verses and Flow. Of course, I am always going to encourage you to go deeper than we can go here. But this is definitely a start. The second thing I want to point out is the fact that he invites them to first see and then touch the evidence of his crucifixion when they express disbelief and doubt. This is a very personal experience that he's inviting them into. He's not just showing them that he's alive, but also that he's been wounded. He's not just proving his resurrection, but also his suffering. He's not just demonstrating his victory, but also his sacrifice. This is a powerful moment of vulnerability and intimacy with his disciples. And it shows us that God is not afraid of our pain or brokenness. In fact, he invites us to bring it to him and to share it with him. It's a difficult invitation to accept for many of us because doing so requires us to confront our pain and acknowledge our brokenness. And if we're honest, most of us are not eager to relive or even remember traumatic or hurtful situations. But those of us who have been through some stuff and we've accepted that invitation find that God meets us in our vulnerability and stays with us all the way through the process of healing and recovery. And I also think that it's interesting the way that the Bible says that their eyes were opened. To me, that also says that there is more than one type of blindness, right? Jesus's ministry was filled with him giving sight to the blind, but it's not just physical blindness. There is also spiritual blindness that we have to be aware of and mindful of. And I just, I love the way that he does this for the disciples in this moment. And I think this too shows us something about how Jesus loves us and how he wants us to love him. He wants us to get close enough to look at his hands and his feet and his side, as it were, where the nails and the spear pierced him. He wants us to feel his wounds and his scars, where the pain and the love met. He wants us to know that he is not bitter or regretful that he had to suffer on our behalf, but rather proud and grateful for it. Think about the kind of mindset you have to have to show somebody your scars. You don't invite anybody to see the marks of your past pain unless you have accepted said pain and suffering as a part of your story and have found meaning and purpose in it. That's when you're willing to show it off. Jesus wants to meet us where we are on our journey today. 
He wants to join us wherever that is. He wants to talk to us, to listen to us, to teach us, and to show us who he is. He wants to break bread with us, to share our lives, and to open our eyes to see him clearly. He wants to fill our hearts with hope, joy, passion, fire, confidence, and peace. And this is why I love him. Will you invite him to join you today on your journey? Will you open your heart and your mind to ask him to reveal more of himself to you? Will you recognize him in the ordinary today? I certainly hope so. And so, Father, we come before you today thanking you for your word and asking that you would let us see you today high and lifted up alive and present and also right next to us. You are the risen Lord who conquered sin, death, and hell. Lord, help us to see you as the redeemer that you are who purchased us with the blood and set us free from our bondage. Help us to see you as a friend who has come to comfort us and to walk with us in our journey and to see you as our teacher who has come to impart your wisdom and reveal yourself to us. Help us to recognize you as a loving father who sent his only son to reconcile us back to himself. Father, we pray that your spirit will open our eyes and hearts so that more and more we can hear your voice and experience your presence with us. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we invite you to come and stay with us today. May we be reminded of your love and your sacrifice. May we see you in the small moments and the big ones, in the joys and the sorrows, in the victories and the defeats. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, and we ask that you would just continue to be with us and reveal yourself to us in new and meaningful ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And our affirmation for today, I choose to see the beauty and goodness of God in all things, even in the midst of difficult situations. I choose to see the beauty and goodness of God in all things, even in the midst of difficult situations. And our aphorism, it is no more necessary that a man should remember the different dinners and suppers which have made him healthy than the different books which have made him wise. Let us see the results of good food and a strong body and the results of great reading in a full and powerful mind. Thank you for being on this extraordinary odyssey with me. May the infinite love of the Father embrace you, the enduring strength of the Son sustain you, and the boundless wisdom of the Spirit enlighten you. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.